What's up? What's up, everybody? It is waking up with Wandy here. Not on a Wednesday. Uh, we got a Thursday, Thursday edition episode here. I just wanted to get on real quick and uh, kind of provide an introduction uh, to the podcast interview that was shot yesterday uh, with a man named uh, Patrick Noel Daly. So he was my guest yesterday on the show. Uh, give it a listen. Uh, fantastic episode on entrepreneurship. Very inspiring uh, man there. So give it a listen. Uh, looking forward to being back though with more and more guests. Uh, it's kind of exciting. Again, just try to find a, a wide array of guests to have on to discuss different topics uh, related to business uh, and finance. So give it a listen with Patrick Noel Daly. Be on the lookout for more podcasts coming to you soon. But uh, this is Wendy signing off. Enjoy, everybody. God bless. Peace. All right. So, uh, good afternoon. Uh, this is a little uh, different than the the normal good morning waking up with Wendy episode that we do. So here I am at three thirty here in the, in the afternoon, coming to you. Um, I, I have a special guest uh, with me here this afternoon. We have Patrick Noel Daly. Uh, so I want to thank Patrick for taking the time out of his busy schedule to join us here uh, at Stock Showdown with the Waking Up with Wendy uh, version. So instead of me monopolizing uh, the time right now, I want to turn it over to Patrick and uh, just basically allow Patrick to introduce himself to you, my audience. So uh, without further ado, Patrick, uh, just uh, yeah, introduce yourself to the Stock Showdown audience if you don't mind. Hey, William, um, good to be with you today and good to connect. Uh, yeah, so introduction. Started out in Southern Ireland, my, the place I was born and raised. Uh, first business was back when I was 14 years old. And uh, I was on summer holiday from school and I decided, you know, I wanted to make some money. So I, I set up a food van selling burgers and fries on the beach during the summer. And uh, I really liked it. Got to see a lot of people, meet a lot of people. Customer service was key, obviously, and um, got into that straight away. Then I rolled on um, when I was 19, when 18, I went to Germany for a couple of years, wanted to see a bit of the world. So I traveled around Europe and came back and set up a business in the IT space, a search engine. And that was a year before Google, maybe two years before Google launched. And I was Autolink, which was like a car search um, engine. Um, and it did, it did well for a year. I was going to college by night, uh, studying business working by day as a product manager. And in between, I had this side hustle going on, um, essentially selling advertising. So that went well. And then I went into medical, developed a bunch of products for medical, um, and set up the first business in medical in 1998. I was Young Entrepreneur of the Year in Ireland in 1999. That was a great badge to get for the company because we were just scaling. So we went from one person up to about maybe 40, 50 people in a year. Uh, ranked number one in our space. And since then, I've effectively been building products, building businesses. And right now, in the last two years, left Ireland to travel around the world because we've got a product which is um, in medical and it's kind of infection control. So sending that around the world and taking it around the world, and it's, uh, it's doing well. So I like to mentor and advise startups particularly. But anyone that's interested in entrepreneurship and looking at entrepreneurship as a career or profession, I get in and I give them help where I can. Um, a lot of the work is pro bono. It's me giving back, and I like to do that. So it's, um, yeah, enjoying life. And entrepreneurship is sometimes a, a tough place to be, and business startup is a tough place to be. But a lot of the time, the reward 
I think outweighs the, the hits and, and the, the pain that you have to suffer. But uh, overall, it's a great place to be and I'm happy to be involved in that space. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, awesome introduction. Uh, I, again, thoroughly impressed. Love the accent, though. I have to say that first. Uh, there you go. I had to neutralize it a little bit. When I started out uh, 20 years ago, I, I was traveling around at a pure Cork accent, which is very high speed. Um, and uh, people were looking at me going, what are you saying? So I had to tone it down a little bit, but this is the kind of a milder version of that accent, I guess. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. You, you threw a lot of a lot of quality information out there. And I, I, um, I, I noticed one thing you said at the very beginning that, you know, you started young and even when you weren't doing one thing, you were doing something else and you just kept you just kept hustling. And you had, it seemed like side hustle after side hustle. And I really think a lot of entrepreneurs, um, that's what they have to do is they have to continue to hustle to make it. And I try to continue to emphasize that to my students. So this is the first question I have for you because I am a high school teacher and I'm teaching an intro to business class to juniors and seniors. Um, and right now we're covering the topic of entrepreneurship. So okay. I, I think that this is such an appropriate um, conversation for you and I to be having a very appropriate guest at this juncture in time. So how about, could you explain to me being an entrepreneur to a high school student? So again, try to maybe like put on, put on a teacher cap, if you will. And it, it seems like that's what you've been doing is this advising and giving back uh, to entrepreneurs. So imagine you're in a high school teacher and you have this group of, of, budding, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to call them all entrepreneurs because some of them are not in the class to be entrepreneurs. <laughs> uh, let's face it. But um, what, what explain to why it would be important and what you would need to have for a, a successful business starting off. Uh, if you had to tell that to a high school kid. So I'm really happy you asked me that question because one of the things I've decided to do and look at doing in the last two years um, is to start entrepreneurship academies. Let me tell you a little bit, first of all, and I'll come back to your question then about the, the specifics, I guess, of, of the plus and minus of entrepreneurship. I want to be able to say to a university graduate who's graduating and saying, you know what, I've just done my complete, uh, you know, uh, business, my, my complete qualification, irrespective of what it is, could be science, could be engineering, could be business, whatever. And I've got that badge and now I've got this energy that I want to try and see if I can make it, give it a go myself, you know, and make, make a start my own business from that education. If you can do that with the correct structures in place, and I, there's a lot of startup ecosystem out there now, which is encouraging um, graduates to get into business and to start their own business. But I think as well, what I want to add to that is the kind of sleeves rolled up practical experience from advisors like guys, guys like me who have 20 plus years experience who've, who've uh, had the wins, but also had the pains and also had taken the hits along the way, because any entrepreneur tells you they've had like complete smooth sailing all the way along. It's just telling you lies, you know, it's not like that. Um, so what I want to do is, and what I hope to do in the next year or so is to set up entrepreneurship academies that we can either attach to universities or uh, align which universities and the startup ecosystem out there. So that's the macro picture. The micro picture in terms of profession, if you look at entrepreneurship as a way of living, it's um, probably one of the most exciting careers out there, but it's also, as I said, you can sometimes hit rough waters and that's fine. That's a given. It's the same as any part of life. And for me, if I was back in student days, um, I would think, okay, 
if I go into a profession, I'm going to get X salary, I'm going to get X bonus, I'm going to have a certain degree of, let's say, this is the latitude in life, and this is my position, this is my role. But if I go the entrepreneurship route, then you could be doing anything from like accounting in the morning to marketing in the afternoon to, you know, any aspect of the business uh, in the evening. And then you can say to yourself, okay, tomorrow I'm going to work from like eight to 12 and I'm going to go sailing for the rest of the day. I'm going to go doing whatever I want to do, go playing baseball, go do whatever you want to do in the afternoon. That level of flexibility is within your control. So if you have the mindset that you want to have flexibility, entrepreneurship is a great place to be. But do be aware that there's a certain amount of risk. Now, what I'd like to do, and I think what's happened in the last 10 years particularly, is the factors and the ecosystem that's come into play has made it easier for people to step into entrepreneurship or to take the risk of starting a business. And by minimizing that risk, that your chances of success are much higher. Um, so utilize the network and the system that's out there, tap into that. But if you have an entrepreneurial flair, or if you want to give it a go, there should be no reason that you shouldn't give it a go. As long as you don't, you know, risk the whole ship, you know, you just need to take calculated risks. People say to me as an entrepreneur as well, you know, do you take kind of complete uh, out there risks? I don't, I calculate it. I look at it and say, what's the safety net? What's the worst case scenario? Do I have a safety net? If you don't have a safety net, don't jump off the cliff. You know, you just have to be, you have to be careful about it. So I would say realistically, entrepreneurship as a profession, and it's now recognized as a, a want to do profession is a great place to be, but get your ducks in line, make sure you've got the right systems in place. And as a student, maybe if you're like a couple of years to, to go to completion, um, or even if you have more years to go to completion, start young, start thinking like that. Because then if you, if you create those kind of creative juices and get the, the whole thing flowing, then your mindset is going to be ready for when you do come out of college um, and you're going to be saying, okay, well, I was thinking of this all along. And you mentioned at the, the start of this question as well about side hustling. I think it's really important to have side hustles. Even if you're an established in an established role, um, you can have a side hustle that can make you a chunk of money, additional money. And nowadays with the world being, let's say, compressed because of um, you know globalization because of technology we can have meetings at any time of the day or night in any part of the world then it's become a global market and COVID has accelerated that because everybody is now working remote and if we can do that have a side hustle that could be making a chunk of money on the side you could have your mainstream professional role but a side hustle as well I think that's a win-win scenario um, and I would encourage people to think like that, but think forward, think ahead, think through two, three, four, five years down the road, where do I want to be? What do I want to get to? What are the milestones and springboards and steps along the way to get there? What are those stepping stones? And map it out. And when you map it out, it'll make life an awful lot easier and you'll minimize your risk. Again, another fantastic response. And again, like, you know, if I had to go back, at, at the high school level uh, and do it all over again because it's you know for me now being <laughs> not to date myself here but uh being out of high school now for like 20 years and myself trying to start my own business uh which i launched last year uh beginning actually uh january of 2021 so the earlier this year uh it's it's, it's, it's a lot harder to launch a business when you're the age i am with all the with all the responsibilities that I have as opposed to a high school student or a, or a college graduate 
who doesn't have those responsibilities to take those risks that you were speaking of. 100%. That's absolutely right. And when you're young, when you don't have those responsibilities, you can take risks that are more, let's say, uh, risky, um, if, you, right. if you want to put it like that. But when you have responsibilities, you have to rethink the situation. Um, for me as well, going through my career in the earlier stages, I didn't have as much responsibility. So I could kind of say, okay, let's give it a go and see if it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't lose, you know, I don't bet the farm. Um, uh, but as years went on and responsibilities increased, I had to recalculate. I had to put in those safety nets and more or less as a given. So you're right. At the, in the earlier years, if you've got an idea, your chances of success are much higher. There's also a propensity uh, for people to help you out more when you're younger. So if you're like, you know, starting out, just finished your, your in the earlier years, people are going to give you a break. They're going to give you greater chances and that's the time to do it. Um, as we get more experience, we probably as well are less risk oriented, um, which goes back to the risk calculation part, but we just don't have the same kind of, uh, you know, uh, intent and we don't have the same, probably as the years go on, I still have uh, a huge amount of drive when I get into a new project. So I'm probably contradicting myself there by saying we don't have the same drive. Um, if the intent is there and if you believe in what you're doing, um, then anything is possible. Um, one of the questions actually, well, just to jump in there on a couple of months ago, I was asked by an engineering kind of super, uh, uh, talented, very intelligent engineer. And he said to me, he said, I want to start a business, but I'm not really sure how to sell. You know, I, I'm not a salesperson. I don't really, I don't really like sales. And I just said, okay, let me ask you a couple of questions. I said, do you believe in your product? And he said, yes, I do. I said, are you absolutely sure it's going to do what you say it will do? And uh, he said, yes, absolutely. And I said, well, I said, can you, if you can, if you believe that, and if you just spell that out and articulate that message, you're actually selling because you're convincing other people, what you believe in and that passion, that drive, that energy, that belief is effectively selling. So we're all selling every day. You don't have to have a qualification to have to, to be a salesperson. We're just naturally selling if we believe in what we're doing. I couldn't argue with that uh, at all. I couldn't agree more. Um, and I tell them that to my students all the time is that every day you're selling, you might not be selling something, you might not be selling a product or a service, but to me, every day you're selling yourself. Um, Absolutely, 100%. When we, the second we open our eyes, we're actually looking to sell something. We want to get something or we're wanting to, you know, we want our breakfast, we want to get a, a right to school. We want to, you know, go go away for the weekend. We want some money. You know, we're we're selling from a very very young age. So that's really kind of like an expansion. That's how we, if we develop that over the years, then we're ready for entrepreneurship. Um, because entrepreneurship is very much about selling. If you don't, if you can't, if you can't get a business exchange or business transaction, then you really don't have a business. Um, and another point relating to that is. Like I get asked the question, how do I know when I have a business? And I say, you know, when you have a business, when you can actually get paid for your service or your product or your offering, that's a business prior to that. It's an idea, but until you commercialize it, until you get a business, a, a financial return or financial income from it, it's, it's not a business, you know, um, it's when you get the financial return, it becomes a business and that that's the kind of key differentiating line for me. Um, and I mentor a lot of early stage companies now that could be at conceptual stage. And I'd say, let, let's get a past feasibility and viability assessment 
And once we know that, then we go to a customer, a prospective customer. We will ask them, you know, three or four customers, would you buy this at this price? And this is the product of the service. And if they say yes, and they're genuinely saying yes, then that's going to become a business. If they say absolutely not, you need to tweak this, this, and this, and you go back to the drawing board. But that's the whole kind of, I guess, psychology of startup, the psychology of selling. Um, and the fundamental requirement is that you're able to sell, that you have something to sell that you're going to be paid for. Excellent. And, you know, to be honest, that was my, I guess, biggest um, obstacle was overcoming the fear of putting it out there from conceptual idea to actual product or service that generates a financial return. Um, totally. So I really applaud my, my dear friend, um, uh, Ryan Stu, uh, who basically gave me that push that I needed to say, look, it's not going to be perfect. And I'm sure you can agree to this, that any entrepreneur, when they, when they get their first product or service out there in, in some sort of beta test, it's not perfect. It's not polished. But you mm -hmm. just have to get it out there and test the test the waters. There's actually another point to that, and that's a great point. And um, when you take it out, it's maybe it's ninety five percent ready. But if you ask your customer uh, what could be done, or they was made maybe suggest this to you anyway, they could give you the final five percent, and you're getting the benefit of their input and their feedback. Take it and use it. But secondarily, they're actually they have a degree of ownership in us. De facto, well, that's not actual ownership, but you know what I mean? They own the suggestion and they feel like they're obliged to support you along the way and continue as your customer because they had a contribution into completing it. And that's the way I make customers feel. You know, if they're good enough to give me feedback that I think is valid and reliable and actually does add value to what I'm trying to do, they're getting the benefit of that. But I also give them a pat on the back and say, good stuff. You know, that was vital for me. I needed that. So that completes the circle, I guess. Excellent. Um, now, again, these entrepreneurs, uh, myself included, <laughs> uh, that again, I, I try to classify myself as an entrepreneur because I do have a product. I did generate sales. So I think based on your definition from your previous response, I, I am an entrepreneur. I have an idea. I know how to sell it. But um, what, um, what do you think are the biggest hurdles that these startups that, that they face today and, and some of the biggest obstacles that entrepreneurs face? By far and beyond funding uh, and getting actual funds to drive early stage businesses, because there's a very strong ecosystem for funding and venture capital and supports at a certain degree of, uh, of, of validation. But prior to that degree of validation, you're really winning it and you're really funding it yourself or your family and friends, as they call it. Um, and I think that's a gap in this, in the funding spectrum. Uh, we call it like the technical term for this, like pre-seed, you understand this pre-seed seed area where you're in that conceptual kind of pre-launch stage. You don't have revenues yet, you're pre-revenue. And, you know, potentially we could have just the new, the, the unicorns of the future, the huge companies of the future sitting there, but they can get very early stage funding because it's associated with significant risk. Now, I think governments, organizations that are out there need to say, okay, if we set aside X millions, it doesn't have to be a huge fund, but give each company a hundred thousand or 200,000 and give them seed money to test and validate their ideas without getting them to jump through 50 hoops to take the boxes and get the validation, like a, a 12 month program or something like that, because the product nowadays speed is everything. You need to get a product out quickly. 
Um, I'm not saying that you do, do it irresponsibly. You have to do it responsibly and make sure that everything is validated, everything is correct, and the product goes out in a, a fully developed fashion. Um, but I think in the earlier stages where you're pre-revenue and there's still some degree of risk, um, I think there has to be some degree of fuel in the tank from either the structured organizations, i.e. the venture capital organizations, organizations that are out there, uh, should set up maybe a wing of their venture capital fund that is very high risk, let's call it that. Um, and then I think governments need to jump in behind that because without entrepreneurship in the future, uh, without entrepreneurship right now, then new ideas will never come to the market. New products will never come to the market. You need that entrepreneurial drive. And if you don't fuel those tanks, if you don't fuel the businesses that need that, that are trying to get that developed, then you're never going to see those products. So I think that element of it is really, to answer your question specifically, I think funding, particularly at very early stages, needs to be addressed. Now, um, how, how important, and again, as, as a startup entrepreneur, um, that you, you know, yourself, myself included, um, how do you know when, when it's the time and, and, and how to get the right people on your team? That's a really important question. Um, at, at the right time, there's a, you can go through calculations all day long and you can look at business plans all day long, but really it's a question of, I think there's two elements to it. One has to be gut instinct. You have to say to yourself, okay, I feel good about this. I'm ready for it. And then I would suggest that you speak to an established entrepreneur, an experienced entrepreneur, somebody who's been through, been at the front line, been in the wars, as they say, um, and who's also succeeded, who's had the wins. And just say, look, this is what I'm intending to do. This is my plan. Th these are all, this is A, B, and C. Get their view. They'll give you a straight, honest view. And I, I find, and I do this as much as I can, as much as time allows, I'll give my time to uh, entrepreneurs and would-be entrepreneurs and say, okay, I think it's ready, go. And if I can help you out, I will. I think we need to tweak, you'd need to tweak uh, A, B, and C are good. Or you need to do a complete revamp. Or I would honestly say, I don't think it's going to fly. And based on these reasons, and I don't, I don't say that critically or negatively. I'll give them my honest view. Now, if you have that sounding board, and if you have that feedback from people who are used to the practical day-to-day -day of entrepreneurship and building businesses, building products, building services around the world, then that's hugely valuable information. Um, and I think that's the aspect that is is really important. As far as you know, launching it and the timing of launch. When you have that information, I think when you have everything in line, when all those ducks are in line, then you're pretty much ready to go. Just make sure you've looked at the funding situation for two reasons. One, if you launch a product and if it's underfunded, then you have a serious problem because you could have a great product that does not have the funding to scale, to build, to grow. And that is soul destroying. Um, and the other aspect is, of it is if it's super successful, then you're going to run out of capital. You're going to run out of working capital. So you need to think about both options. What I typically do is when I'm looking at a kind of a funding play or a funding plan for a business, I look at worst case scenario, expected scenario, and best case scenario. If you map all those three, you say, right, what do I do if I need, if for example, sales are 10 X, what we expect, then I'm going to need funding. Then I'm going to need to go to a bank. Then I'm going to need to go to a venture capital agency. How long is that going to take, et cetera, et cetera. If sales are minus uh, and on the much lower side, then you need to say to yourself, what are my costs? How can I cut costs quickly? How can I uh, slice everything back so I'm, I can still stay afloat? 
Um, and then on the expected scenario, i.e. Your, your expected business plan, then just sanity check your numbers or get someone else to look at them and say, or somebody experienced to look at them and say, yeah, that hangs together, this will work. Um, if you're in a specific industry, try and get an expert from that industry. Uh, as long as they're not competing, as long as they're not, they give you unbiased information, then that kind of information is part of your assessment, your feasibility and viability assessment of your business. If you get, if you take all those boxes, then your chances of success are going to magnify. Um, and I've seen that. And I should say, you know, it really hasn't been a, a completely smooth road for me either. You know, I've had these. I've, I've looked at them. Now, thankfully, I've been able to kind of re-engineer the situation uh, where I would restructure a business if, if the expectation was much lower than I had initially anticipated, then I'd restructure it. I'd wind it, I'd wind it back into a different model. For example, if I wanted to sell product A, I'd like, you know, buy it for $50 and sell it for $150. And if that didn't work out, then I'd simply say, okay, well, my idea is good. I've got a patent on the idea. Um, I've got some intellectual property protection. So I'm just going to go to the biggest player in the market and say, give me 2% of sales and I'll license it to you. You know, um, two percent of sales by a very big company could be much better than your operating profit and your own income from it. If you were to go through the operating model, the reselling model, so all of that kind of like lateral thinking needs to be brought into account when you're mapping and planning out your business. And I think for me, even though I've, some, I've said that speed is important, speed is great as long as you're taking the right steps um, and just don't kind of jump too far ahead and forget something fundamental. So take your time in the initial stages um, and kind of map it out. As I said, sounding boards, sanity check, everything by somebody external, independent, unbiased, if you can. And there is nobody, I think, that's going to give you better experience, better feedback than uh, an entrepreneur, somebody who's been through the, the ups and downs. And uh, I, from my experience, those people are happy to give their input. Awesome. Um, and that's all the questions I have uh, for Patrick uh, this afternoon. That was amazing. And if my students are listening, which again, I, I prompt them to do so and, and try to get the word out there. And they, <laughs> they seem really excited when they hear that. Oh my God, Mr. Anderson's got a podcast. I have to listen. Um, this was amazing. And I teach these particular students in intro to business and recovering entrepreneurship right now. So if you want, you know, quality information uh, that I can't provide to you during class on entrepreneurship, this podcast right here uh, with Patrick Daly, fantastic. Um, so thank you very much, Patrick. Do you have any uh, final words for the audience here this afternoon? It was a complete pleasure to chat today. Um, and I'm happy to help to give people my feedback and my experience uh, and to kind of understand the ups and downs, but also the positives that can be gained from taking the entrepreneurship route, um, but at the same time managing the risk while you're doing it. But fundamentally, entrepreneurship is a great profession to have. Um, being an entrepreneur is a very kind of flexible life to have, um, can be very rewarding. Um, and I think if you've got your ducks in line, if you've got a great idea, if you've got the enthusiasm, the drive to hang in there and get it through the early stages, then it could be very much worth your while and all things um, assessed and kind of mapped out, then it could be a huge business. Uh, Patrick, one last thing. Do you have uh, a website or 
a podcast or a, or a social media ch uh, channel that we could follow you on or if my audience was interested? The best thing to do is probably to jump onto LinkedIn and connect with me. Um, and I'm, it's Patrick Noel Daly. That's Patrick, P-A-T-R-I-C-K, Noel, N-O-E-L, Daly, D-A-L-Y. Do a search on LinkedIn, you'll find me and um, connect with me or send me a message on LinkedIn and then we can give you more information after that. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you again, Patrick, for all your time today.